Well, good morning, everybody. I like that. That was nice, Rob. You really belted it out. I love that. I love that. Um, it's, it's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, me and my sinuses welcome you to fall. It has arrived very uh, like a lion, right? I mean, we went from 90 to, to, to 50 in one week. It's kind of amazing. Um, I, uh, I am not Matt Warren, as you may have guessed. Um, I don't look like Matt Warren. I don't teach like Matt Warren. I don't know any Greek or Hebrew. If I reference another language, it'll probably be like Pig Latin or something. That, that's about all I got. But I'm known here for two things mostly. Uh, as a singer of birthday songs, particularly, and as the giver, one of the givers of coffee. So that's my, that's my claim to fame here. See, I knew the coffee people would love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, you know, I, th I made a mistake this morning. I told Ron, I thought our elders weren't here today. I thought our elders were gone on retreat. Matt's gone on a retreat, but it's men's retreat. I thought it was the elders, so I was all set to talk about the elders, and now they're here, and I can't do it like right in front of them. But I got this really cool story. Uh, it, it's really, you know, the story the way I heard it was about an old country pastor, but I'm going to put elder in there, you know, just for, just for fun, you know, just because you guys are here now and I can, like, do this in front of you. There was this elder who decided one Sunday he was going to skip church and he wanted to go bear hunting instead of going to church that Sunday. So, uh, you know, he goes and he gets all his stuff and he skips church and he goes out into the woods and he's kind of making his way around the path and he kind of comes around this corner and he's face to face with this ferocious bear, right? And so it scares him, it startles him, and so he starts kind of stumbling back and he like drops his gun, his gun goes flying that way, and he, he flies off this way, and he falls on this rock, and he breaks both of his legs. That's the good news. The bad news is the bear was, was bearing down on him at that time. And so the only thing he could think to do was pray, right? We're in trouble. The only thing he could think to do was pray. So he started praying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, please make this bear Christian. And rescue me from this, please uh, make this bear Christian. Rescue me from what's going on here. And right at that moment, he opened his eyes. The bear skidded to a halt in front of him. He fell down on his knees. He clasped his hands together. And he said, dear Lord, thank you for this food I'm about to receive. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So don't skip church and be specific what you pray for. There's what I'm gonna, that's the first thing I'm going to tell you today. But it's not a great story, but it's a kind of a good segue to what we're going to talk about, because today we're going to talk about prayer. It's one of my favorite subjects, and um, we've been talking about this idea of a life worth living, right? And we've been going through a series of, of different sermons about these different aspects of a life worth living. And, and if you look over here on the left-hand side, all the way at the bottom, share, worship, encourage, strive, and pray. Prayer is one of the key things. Uh, prayer, living, a life worth living cannot be accomplished unless we are in prayer. There was, uh, I promise this is the last one of these stories, but there were three preachers one time, and they were kind of on the street corner talking, and there was a guy, a telephone repairman, was on the pole right beside him, and so they were talking about what's the best way to pray, right? So the first preacher says, well, I found that kneeling is the best way to pray. That's how I get my best results, kneeling before God. That's the best way to pray. The second preacher said, 
you know, I got to disagree with you there. I found that the most effective prayer is to stand up, hands raised toward heaven. That's the most effective type of prayer. The third preacher said, well, I got to disagree with all of you. I think the most effective type of prayer is to lay down, face down, prostrate before the Lord. That's, I found that's the most effective type of prayer. And just then, the telephone repairman had kind of been listening to all this. He said, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I got to disagree with you. He said, the best praying I ever done was hanging upside down off a telephone pole. <laughs> I, you know, too often I fear that we're like, the te- we're like the telephone repairman. We only come to God when we're in trouble or when we need something. And he wants us to then, but he doesn't just want us to then. Philippians 6.18 says he wants us to be in prayer at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests. He wants us to be in prayer at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests. In Isaiah 56.7, the Lord is speaking through Isaiah and he says, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And and Jesus Jesus requotes that in in Matthew 21.13 and in Mark 11.17. He talks about this idea of a house of prayer. If we're going to be a house of prayer, if we want this body to be a house of prayer, it requires us to go beyond our individual kind of self-centered prayer lives into a vibrant God-centered prayer life. To be a house of prayer, we need to be people in prayer at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests before the Lord. And, and that's what we want to strive for, for this house to be a house of prayer, for your house and my house to be a house of prayer, for this house, this body of Christ, to be a house of prayer. I'm not going to really go into the mechanics of prayer today. That's not really, that's a, maybe a sermon for another time or, or a, a teaching in a different format. So I'm not going to really go into the mechanics of, the, of prayer. But my heart today is just to show you the importance of prayer, prayer in your life, and not only just in your life, but that we need to pr- be in prayer together, corporately, as the body, in all different formats, and, and, and how we can do that best. So that's what I really want to talk about today. So the first point that I would make today is this. Prayer is not important in the life of a disciple. Prayer is not important in the life of a disciple. It's absolutely mandatory in the life of a disciple. I don't know if you thought about it. There's a lot of different types of prayer, right? There's, there's prayer that's communion with God, just speaking with the Lord, just talking with Him about whatever's going on in your day in your life. There's supplication where we pray for ourselves. There's intercession where we pray pray for other people. Uh, There's spiritual warfare. There's prayers of thanksgiving praise. There's prayers of blessing. Greg, is Greg still in here? He prayed a beautiful prayer of blessing over his uh, son the other day at baby dedication. Uh, There's prayers of consecration where we set someone or something apart for God's work. Um, There's many different forms of prayer, and and they all kind of have different specific purposes. But... I think in its simplest form, I would say that prayer is communicating our hearts to God and seeking His will about the thing that we're praying for. Prayer is about getting to know God better and seeking His will about the things we're praying for. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, the Father knows the things you need even before you ask them. God knows what we need, so we don't necessarily need all of our prayers to be about, about seeking the things that we want in our life, but... We need our prayers to be more about it's learning to seek his face, not his hand, seek his face. It's not something that he might give us or do for us, but some but getting to know him better. Does that make sense? Don't get me wrong. It's perfectly fine to pray for yourself. I pray for myself all the time, and probably nobody in here needs more prayer than me. Um, but a healthy prayer life is God-centered and always seeking his will. Um, 
In your Bibles, if you want to turn your Bibles today, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So I'll give you all a minute to flip there. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And let's read this together. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoicing, giving thanks, worship. Worship is honoring God for his power, his love, and his grace and his mercy. That's what worship is all about. Honoring God for his power, his love, his grace, and his mercy. Worship goes hand in hand with prayer. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but really worship and prayer go hand in hand. If we don't have worship and prayer, if we're not recognizing God's love and power and grace and mercy in our prayer, then our prayers start to sound a little kind of ineffectual. They start to sound kind of weak. They start to sound something like this. Well, I don't know, Lord. Looks like a pretty big problem to me. Don't know how you're going to deal with this. There it is. Don't know what you're going to do about it, but, you know, at least I'm praying, right? Or we pray, Lord, I don't know, really know if you, I don't know if it's right to bring this before you, if I should be bothering you with this, you know. You know, what kind of prayer life is that? We want power and we want substance in our prayer life. Jesus, I don't know if you ever noticed this or not, but Jesus never fretted about unanswered prayers, did he? Jesus never fretted about unanswered prayers. He simply stayed connected with the Father and what the Father was doing, and he prayed for the Father's will to be done. Now, that's a God-centered, vibrant prayer life. We worship when we believe in God's power without reservation and trust in him to answer perfectly. And that's the key, really, is trust in him to answer perfectly. See, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what the right thing is. I don't know what the perfect is. I don't know what the answer is, but God does. God does. So why don't I trust in him for the right answer about that person or about the situation for which I'm praying? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we read said, pray without ceasing. Have you ever thought about that? We talk about this a lot in our, in our grow group, pray without ceasing. Have you ever, you ever thought about that? Pray an entire day. Go every, all day, every day without, without stopping prayer. Well, that sounds a little tough, doesn't it? Do we, what, what kind of prayer life are we leaving? Do we, do we set aside 15 minutes in the morning? Do we set aside a half hour at night before we go to bed? Kind of drift off to sleep talking to the Lord? Or do we pray to God? Do we stay in constant contact and constant prayer and relationship with him throughout the day? Are we praying in all things? Or are we dividing our life into here's the things that I can handle on my own and here's the things that I need to bring to the Lord? Are we praying to him in all things, all kinds of prayers and requests, or are we dividing our life up that way? Uh, as, as I was, uh, some of y'all know, one of my... Uh, if you've been in my group or heard me talk at all, I love Oswald Chambers, and my utmost for his highest is a devotion that I try to do every day of my life, and I just love, I just love his words and the way he presents. It just speaks to me, really does. For some reason, I saw this as I was thinking about it. Um, he said, if we think of prayer as the breath in our lungs and as the blood from our hearts, then we're thinking rightly. The blood flows ceaselessly, and the breath breathing continues ceaselessly. We're not conscious of it, but it's always going on. Prayer is not an exercise, it's a life. Have you ever thought about that? 
Prayer is not an exercise. It's not a thing that we do for 15 minutes or a half hour each day. It's part of our life. It's part of our lifeblood. Are we committing ourselves to prayer? Not a moment of prayer, but a life of prayer. Prayer is absolutely critical in the life of a disciple. Are we making our houses into houses of prayer? Are we making this house into a house of prayer? Next thing I say is that prayer is not important in the life of a church. It's absolutely necessary. Let's look at, uh, flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 9 through 13. I love it that uh, Brent, that this came up. He's out there somewhere. I love it this came up last week in Brent's, in Brent's message also, that he talked about... Uh, he talked about this verse, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And this is what we'll, we'll refer to as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer when Jesus was speaking and, and was showing his disciples how we ought to pray. Uh, here, here's, here's what he prayed. And he said, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we... Also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I think it's important here, um, as, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, to recognize that, that God gave us the Lord's Prayer in the plural. He said, our, us, we. He gave us the Lord's Prayer in the plural. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not, but, but he gave it to us in the plural. And, and Jesus, uh, there, there was no, there's no accidents with Jesus. There's no coincidence with Jesus. We know that as believers. He did everything intentionally for a reason, but I like the fact that he, that he gave us this prayer in the plural. This idea of corporate prayer where we're all praying together as a church, as a group, in small groups, uh, ever how we down here at the altar on Sunday morning after church that we all pray corporately there's greater power in corporate prayer and we function best when we function in prayer or other or other ways but certainly in prayer among the body of believers corporate prayer is is we us we my grammar's not very good sometimes sorry us we play, praying together Intentionally looking out for opportunities to bring every matter in our church before the Lord, lifting every matter in our church up to Him. A um, couple of pages over, flip over to Matthew 18, chapter 18, 19 through 20. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. He says, uh, again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my, in my name, there am I among them also. I love the promise here. The promise is that there's, there's greater power when we gather in groups to worship and to praise and to pray unto God. Um, when, when we were, Matt and I was, we were kind of talking about what I was going to talk about today, and he shared a, an excerpt out of, a, out of a book with me, and I haven't had the privilege yet of reading the whole book, but I really 
this, this one part I wanted to share with you just a little bit today because it, it kind of talks about this idea. This man's name is Tim Keller, and he wrote a book called Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. And he makes this argument that prayer is meant to be public. It's meant to be done corporately as much as possible and that our private prayers ought to be shaped out of, out of, the, out of the ministry and prayer of the greater body of Christ. And so um, this, is out of, this is out of his book. It says, prayer is therefore not strictly a private thing. As much as we can, we should pray with each other, both formally, in gathered worship, and informally. So that's praying here in, in this corporate worship like this, or the prayers that go on at the cross, or, or wherever that might go on, very informally type things. That ought to be going on all over our church. Why? Because if the substance of prayer is to know God better, then this can best happen in community. So what he's saying there is that the beauty of prayer and fellowship in community is that we learn, to learn, we learn to know the Lord much better and in ways that we might not individually. Think about it just for a minute because it really, it really makes sense in the economy of God that if we're together in a group and we're talking, we're talking about the Lord, here's, here's what the Lord revealed to me out of Scripture. Here's what the Lord is doing in my life. Here's how God's moving. Here's the attributes of God that I've seen in my life as He has worked in me. And as we're in a group sharing this and we're talking about this, you begin to understand God better. You begin to see things about God that maybe you wouldn't have discovered on your own, things you hadn't seen before. Who's experienced this in a small group where you're talking about, where you're talking about Scripture, where you're, talking, where you're praying about things? Here's what the Lord's done, and it opens your eyes, and it reveals something to you about the Lord that you might not otherwise have seen. As we share our testimonies, as we share what God's doing, we, we really, he uses us, he uses us to help us learn more about him through each other. And that's what I love, that's what I love about this idea of community and certainly prayer and community. Prayer is not meant to simply be a private thing. There's greater power in the assembly of God's people in prayer. And, and uh, one of the places we see this uh, most directly is in the New Testament church. Flip over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be, um, we're going to be reading verses uh, 42 through 47. We're going to read through the whole passage, but we're going to just really key in kind of prayer. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's read this together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that. I love that example. The prayer, the community. God working in our midst with each other and how he shows favor upon that. The greater power of prayer when we pray corporately. Are we, if we're going to be a house of prayer, then we must dedicate ourselves to intentional prayer. And I think we do a good job of that in church, but we, we, must, we must strive to do it more and more every day. We must strive to dedicate ourselves to intentional prayer. We need to look for every opportunity to openly give prayer and to openly receive prayer is God is working in our bodies. And then the next thing I'd say about prayer is that prayer life and maturity increase exponentially 
in a small group. Prayer life and maturity increase exponentially in a small group. Those of y'all who know me knew that somehow or another this was going to get back to grow groups today because that's, that's where my heart is. Um, but there's a reason for that. Discipleship and prayer are inseparable. If you want to be a disciple, there's going to be discipleship. Prayer's got to be a part of that. At the Grove, the main way that we disciple people is what? Grow groups. There you go. You can talk loud. It's okay. I don't mind. Uh, grow groups allow us to know each other and to know God better. We get to share in each other's perceptions and revelation of God's word. And in groups, we can achieve a more diverse and complete understanding of God and who he is. If we want to be maturing disciples, we can't just do it on Sunday morning, right? Matt said this before in the immortal words of Matt Warren, it ain't enough. It ain't enough. Sunday morning ain't enough. We can't experience enough. We can't learn enough. We can't grow enough in, 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 in what goes on here on a Sunday morning. We have to put ourselves in a place where we can grow into maturing disciples. And, and we've been talking a lot about this graphic over here hanging on the curtain, right? The Grove Church. As maturing disciples of Jesus, we will. And there's all the things that we want to focus on in order to be a maturing disciple. And, and of course, um, you know, to be a people of prayer is right there is right there among that. We learn from each other. God speaks to us through other people. We encourage each other in the doing of good deeds, in the growing, in the maturing process. God uses other believers in settings like small groups to reveal himself to us more clearly. The Bible says we're to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? You've heard that, that, heard that verse before. We'll be working that. What better place than a small group? in the safety and security of a small group of believers who love you and want to be invested in your life to help you, to help you mature in that way. Um, flip over to, uh, Bible drill's about over. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is further in the back. It's about all I can do to help you. Page 836 if your Bible's like mine. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We must abide in unity and agreement for the Lord, one mind, one purpose, one spirit, and prayer is the key to that unity and ministry in the church. Let us let's bring this into the context of our of our mission statement because we talk about this a lot, right? Perry or Katie, somebody says it up here every week. What's our what's our mission statement? Everybody, one, two, three. Excellent. That was it was a little quiet on this side. I'm worried about you all, but it was it was real good over here. Connecting communities and changing lives. And so let's let's talk about that. What that looks like, you know, relative to prayer, right? Connecting communities in prayer means changing lives through prayer. Connecting communities in prayer means changing lives through prayer. Jesus inhabits praise. He inhabits, inhabits prayer. And even more in a, in a unified group of believers. John 13, 35, Jesus tells us that, you know, this is how people are going to know you, that you're mine, is that you show love to one another. That's how we show others that we're his, when we show love to one another. And we show that love by praying for each other. 
You know, I talked about the types of prayers, and intercession is, is one of my favorite types of prayers. Intercession is where we pray for one another. We show love to each other by praying for each other. Intercession means that we are getting the mind of Christ about the person that we're praying for, about the thing we're praying for. We're trying to get the mind of Christ about that and for his will to be done in that thing. And I believe intercession is like one of the clearest forms of calling in the life of a believer. And I think Scripture backs that up. And just to kind of tie, just kind of tie the small group and the, and the prayer thing together, uh, I was just going to give you a couple examples today. Um, I, our grow group, I love our grow group. Our, our grow group is so awesome. I'm so proud of this group and the way we're growing and maturing all the things that goes on there. And really prayer is, 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 is a central part. This is a, my group is a group of, our group is a group of prayer, a group of prayer warriors. And so it's awesome when we, when we take notes and we watch what the Lord is doing and how he's answering our prayers. And I thought, well, Maybe I'll give you an example today, and, and one, one that immediately kind of came, I, I, I kind of touched base with a couple of people, and, and one kind of immediately came to our minds, and that was uh, uh, that back in the spring of 2013, we had, a, we had a couple who, they decided they wanted to expand their family, and so uh, they decided that the way they were going to do that is go, to go through the adoption process. They were going to adopt a child, and so immediately uh we just began to smother them in prayer over that whole experience and and you know what they were going to need to go through and what they were going to need to do and the the, the mother of the, of the yet unborn baby and that baby itself and and all the things that that were going to go on in the next ever how much time that was going to be and um the adoption process i don't know if anybody's here's been involved with it but from what what, what i heard it was it's an incredibly complicated process uh, there's a lot to go that goes on. It's kind of a drawn-out process, and you know, we just made it our business. We just made it our ministry to pray for them, to pray over every bit of what was going on there and what God was doing in that. It's also an incredibly expensive process, and so they began to do all the things that they knew to do in terms of uh, fundraising and and trying to pull the funds together so that when the baby came, that they'd be ready with what they had to pay and, and, and all the fees and so forth that went into that. And so uh, we began to help them with those things, but we also began to obey them in prayer in that, in that the Lord's provision for the money that they needed to get that baby. And then on November 5th, 2014, <clears throat> they got word that they were chosen to receive a baby. And it was a time of great news. And we continued to pray over them and everything that would go on from there, but also beginning to praise God for how he was moving and how he was working and how he was answering that prayer. And then on November 16, 2014, they got the call that the baby was coming early. And we gathered right here, right here, <clears throat> in this sanctuary, and we prayed for them. We lifted them up and their safety and everything that was going to go on, safe delivery, baby, all that to go good and we were just praising God we were just praising God for every way that he was working in this some days were really hard for them and we had to we had to be the faith that they didn't have we had to have that faith for them some days they needed a shoulder to cry on and we needed to be that and we needed to do all those things for them that's the beauty of grow groups is that we we minister to each other in that way but but the, the work of intercession in their life, the work of prayer to them before the Lord and what he was doing in that was 
one of the most important things we could have possibly done for them. And so God answered that prayer, and the little baby was born. What a, what a cute picture. And I, you can get a kind of a sense there with the hand of the size. Of the, the, baby was, the baby was small, but, man, how cute is that? And then, uh, and then some years later, let's show that other picture. Look at that. Look at that. That's pure cuteness right there, isn't it? That's Oliver. I'm talking about Oliver Spainhower, if you hadn't already figured that out. What a, what a testament to God and his love. What a testament to God and his answered prayers. And we got countless stories of that in our group. We got countless stories of that in our small group. You know, I think about uh, a little over a year and a half ago, Steve and Liz Birchfield really blessed us by coming into our group and they were leading us through a book called A Deeper Walk and it was an amazing year. Uh, it took us almost a year to get through the book. So that might tell you something else about our girl group, but, but it was an amazing year and Steve and Liz led us through that. But uh, the interesting thing was to watch as we were kind of going through that because uh, there were these ladies that started showing up and we really didn't know them and they got invited like in different ways. It was all kind of, you know, different things that conspired. But these four ladies really kind of showed up around the same time, or it was pretty close to the same time, I think. And, uh, you know, we were going through this, we were going through this book, but we were also, remember Steve, we were spending a lot of time in prayer over these ladies and what they were going on, what was going on in their lives and, and for them to, because they really wanted to experience the Lord and they were really open up to this, but, you know, there were different things going on there and they needed prayer for, for all different aspects of their life and we just continued our group just to lift them up and just to pray over them, just to invest to them. And it has been amazing to see how God took these four crazy girls and what he's doing in their lives. And uh, let's see, I don't, I know a couple of them were gone up to see Russ and Gene. I don't, I, I don't think any of them are here today, but man, it's amazing. It's amazing, amazing to see God work in prayer and the investment of a grow group in the lives of people is, is, is key to that. And, you know, we prayed for all kinds of things. We prayed for people's health. We prayed for people trying to buy houses, find houses. We prayed for people trying to sell houses. Uh, we prayed for so many things. We prayed for people we know. We prayed for people we don't know. Uh, it didn't matter. And the interesting thing has been to see, because part of, part of this group praying has been, part of, has been this group going out and giving testimony to God in what he's doing. And so now the interesting thing is that we see people kind of calling on our group and saying, Hey, our family members call us. Hey, I know your group's a praying group. Would you, would you pray for us? Or coworkers. We've had coworkers at different people's offices going, Hey, I know your group is a praying group. Would you ask them to pray for us? Um, Cheryl Lynn has had some clients. You know, she shared and they've said, I know your group's a praying group. Would you ask them to pray for us? Because we've glorified, we've lifted up God and we've glorified him in that. Please understand that none of this is our glory. We understand that it's 100% the Lord, 0% us, and 100% the Lord. And we pray every week. We gather and we pray in unity every week. And, and, and these, are, these are things we claim, and I just wanted to share this with you today. These are the things that we claim in our group every week, that God is sovereign over all things, period. God is sovereign over all things, period. He has a plan for every life, and he has a plan for everything that we're praying about. We don't know what his plan is, but he does. God's will and God's plan are perfect, so his will be done. 
We agree on that, and we agree on him. God inhabits praise and unity. I keep saying that. We agree with, on those things, and we agree with him. That's unity. And finally, it's all to God's glory. It's all to God's glory. One last verse. Flip over to John 12, 32. rustling of pages John 12 32 this is Jesus speaking again if I when I'm lifted up from the earth will draw all people unto myself and that's the important thing right that we lift that we lift Jesus up and that when we do that that he can draw people unto himself if I could sum up what God's doing in our world if I could sum up the whole message really of the Bible as simply as possible I would say that God is redeeming a lost world to himself. He's redeeming a lost world to himself. And it's exciting that we get to be a part of that because I don't know if you thought about this or not, but, but the church is plan A. And there's not a plan B. We're it. The church is plan A. There's not a plan B. And so we're privileged to be a part of that. And we need to be about lifting the Lord up. Be a part of a small group. Let me encourage you with that today. If you're not, if you're not part of a small group now, do it. Don't don't say, well, I'm going to pray about it for three months and then I'll think about it after the first of the year. Do it now. Do it now. Move on it now. There's no better way to fellowship with believers, to grow in maturity, to grow closer to the Lord and serve Him than through grow group ministry. So don't miss out on that. <clears throat> and as, as I kind of wrap up today, I'm going to start moving toward a conclusion here. And I brought up this idea of a house of prayer a little bit earlier and if we're to be a house of prayer uh, then certainly we need prayer up here on Sunday mornings like we do at the altar that's that's awesome that's that's great but it can't it can't just be that for to be a house of prayer it needs to be prayer out in the foyer it needs to be prayer in the coffee bar area it needs to be prayer in the kitchen it needs to be prayer in the hallway it needs to be prayer upstairs it needs to be prayer down in the garage, right? It needs to be prayer that goes outside the walls of this building. And it needs to be prayer that goes beyond the boundaries of this campus. We need to be a people of gratitude, surrender, and intentionality. And I bring that up because when the Papools are here a couple of weeks ago, remember them with the marriage weekend? And, and, and they were sharing with us on Sunday morning. And that was one thing that really jumped out at me, this idea of gratitude, surrender, and intentionality. And they were talking about that uh, within, the, within the structure of marriage. But I liked, I, I listened to that, and I said, man, isn't that just what we need in our relationship with the Lord? To show him gratitude, to surrender to him, to be intentional in the time that we spend with him in prayer and otherwise. And Matt, Matt shared with me a little bit, too, that some stuff he's got coming up in the coming weeks, and it's going to be really good, and we're going to be talking about prayer some more. He's got some activities and things that I think you're going to love, and I think it's going to be really exciting. And um, I always tell my group, watch. When, when God is kind of coming at things from, you know, multiple directions that looks like it's kind of the same point, you better start watching because he's going to do something. He's moving in some neat way, and we want to be watching for that. Um, let me kind of close with this reminder. 
Uh, Matt says this a lot, and I, and I love this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The reason that we're here is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Think about it. We have instant access to the creator of the universe, the Lord of God that ever has been, the Lord of, of all that ever will be. We have access to him at any time, from anywhere. We can approach the very throne of God through the cross of Jesus, through Jesus Christ, the cross of Calvary. He loves us. He longs for us to worship him. He longs for us to speak to him, to call on him, to pray to him without ceasing. Not just alone, but corporately. He wants us to pray to him individually, but as small groups and as a church, come to him corporately, soaking every bit of what we do here in prayer. Prayer is foundational in a, a life worth living. Let us strive to be people of prayer. Let us strive to be a house of prayer unto all nations.